Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. Hello, I'm Sergey Rebro. And you're listening to Ukraine Post Football. The 22-23 season is officially over. When the campaign began all the way back in August of last year, there were countless doubts and questions. Match day one and Rook versus Metalist, for example. That game took four and a half hours to finish. Would the entire season end up being like this? There would be additional air raid interruptions to follow throughout the season. However, they were fortunately always precautionary and no damage to people or stadia took place during any of the games. So we have our first ever and hopefully last during the full-scale world champions. Shakhtar in the UPL, Felicia in the Persia, and Eva Bozova in the Druga. This week, a very old friend of the pod joins myself, Andrew and Ray. Welcome back, Vovesvero. Thank you. Thank you for this uh chance for me to make some analysis of this beautiful Ukrainian champion. It certainly has. Both has been in Ushgorod for the final match day, so there's going to be plenty to talk about. The season may be over, but Ukrainian football certainly isn't. So strap yourselves in. It's going to be a bumpy ride. And now, where else to start with? But the silver medal race that has culminated this weekend. Vova, mm-hmm. how has it panned out in your eyes? The Nipro won, deserved silver medal winners. Uh, so if we're talking about the just the second part of the championship, of the spring part of championship, that a lot of uh, popular opinion that Zaria should won the championship, the Red deserved to win the championship. But if we look uh, the whole season, since the start of the first match day, I think this uh, the position of Nipro 1 is really deserved. Also, the position of Shakhtar. So, Shakhtar won the championship. Nipro 1 made uh, great uh, games in, in November, in October, and people started to think that so... We had a really, really strong opening to the Shakhtar. But, uh, you know, in the spring, we saw that Shakhtar had uh, like 18 players, the 18 really good players with a, in the wide bench, I mean, I mean substitutions. And uh, people started to realize that Nipro really had really signed the player from Persia Liga, signed the player from smaller teams, and started to ask the questions: Is really that players ready to was ready to win the championship? Because Sarapi, he was a few years ago in amateurs. Babenko, he was in Polisa in the Persia Liga. Tanchik was in Persia Liga. So the Dnipro, Dnipro, they have, I think, four, five, five, six players of really big 
really huge class. So this is Adobic, Pihalonok, and uh, they had Amash, they had they have Sarapi, Svatok. They had I said they had Amash because Amash <laughs> I don't think he really wanted to play uh, in Dnipro because because of family problems. His mother is living in France and uh, she really scared about him. So and the Blanc. So I think the Dnipro one they need like five, six more players, good players uh, to sign now, not before the qualifying, not before the Champions League qualifying, because we saw this like the previous this season at the start of the season they signed the players right before the first qualifying round, and they have they had uh, have a, a team there wasn't there wasn't a team in the start so that's what I want to say, and uh, I think the hot cut this inter inter uh, intermission before the seasons should be for the deep row if they really want to play in the Euro Cups. Well the question is I would say if those players that you mentioned that are so key, whether they're gonna stay. Like is Dovbit gonna stay if Dipro one sell him, then that's gonna be a massive loss. And where are they gonna find twenty four goals from the rest of the team next season? Um I think it will be a tough one. What can I say? I I I know that Dobik, he really wanted to become a champion, and uh, he really wanted the gold medal. And I saw him in a dressing room today after the game, and he was really upset. He didn't want to talk a lot with no one. The a lot of players of Dipro they had fun. They just drink some drank some beer and. Uh, singing some song and Dobik just you know, he was upset. He was upset, and uh, you can see his you can his uh, at the broadcast his reaction after the Blanca goal. He sat on the uh, on the grass and uh, and he, he was really tired. For him is this fact that Dnipro one doesn't doesn't became a champion is the big upset because I think he if. Uh, if Dnipro would won the golden medals, the gold medals, he he will he would leave. And now I think there's some negotiations of the new contract between Dnipro One and Dobik. And maybe I think there's there's a big chance uh, he will stay in the Dnipro One for the next season. I don't know, but uh, there was some oh, wow. negotiations before. I think uh, probably. Probably he can stay in Dnipro One. I just, I just want to drop a name in now. You were talking about Blanco getting the goal today. Now, when we were doing our podcasts before the winter break, Andrew, you were talking about him every other week as such a revelation in the UPL, and then no one's mentioned him. And I had a quick look as he scored two goals in spring football. I can't think of any more than that. You think perhaps his fall off of form has had a big impact on the Nipro losing losing their way in the second half of the season? Yeah, I think that is a big impact, to be honest. Um, Blanco, the fact that he, I think he missed some of the first games of this uh, second half of the season um, and only sort of started coming back into the games in recent matches when they've sort of had to win games and, and that kind of thing. 
and maybe it was just slightly too late. Like just going back to Dolvbik, he even from the goal scoring uh, charts when he was in prolific form, where he scored in like ten games in a row, in the end he finished on twenty four. He didn't break Mkhitaryan's record uh, of twenty five. That is, they'll probably stand forever now. Um, you know, and he had like three games to get two goals in, and it just didn't work out. So it'll be interesting to see from what Vova's saying, whether he will stay this summer and whether they'll continue. Because like, like Vova's saying, Dnipro 1 definitely need to strengthen if they want to be getting anywhere near those group stages of whatever a UEFA competition it is, because they're going to be coming from very far off second qualifying round. In the champ in the Champions League, I mean, I feel that just everyone's ran out of steam. Mainly, probably due to a lot of the travelling that took place in the first half of the season, a lot of adrenaline. And then you have that long break in the winter break, and it's sort of very hard to get back going, especially when the rest of the teams are low intensity. As it is, you know, how can you compete against um, or try and get back to sort of high level without? you know, high enough opposition, which you probably get in those European games in the first half. So, you know, Dnipro won. Overall, they they were taking Shakhtar to the sword for, for the whole season for the title. I'd say probably on the whole do deserve that silver. Ray, we've got to give a shout out to Zoria. Almost took that silver medal. They didn't get it. So who cares? It's the same thing all over again. But... Um... They they have shown some good display of on the pitch. Uh, they've uh, re revived, uh, resurrected a few Dynamo Academy players as usual, and even Rusin is getting a call up to a national team after his season. He's one of the uh, guys who scored thirteen goals, which is a second best result I believe because like if four guys scored thir scored thirteen, and Dobrik the only one who scored twenty four. Uh, never broke the hit and record eventually, but uh, I don't think that it would be a bigger difference if Zoria took the silverware because we we kind of we can we can predict how it's gonna end in the end of summer when it's time for European qualifiers to conference and Europa League, and we know how our clubs love to bottle it year in year out back to back, so. Whether we talk about the team who, which is supposedly representing the city of Dnipro or Zoria Luhansk, doesn't make much difference in the end, in the grand scheme of things. It's uh, I'm just uh, looking at um, some of the Andrew's posts, uh, Andrew's posts earlier about this uh, scheme when you, the team does not want to promote to Champions League because they might end up in Conference League after losing all the qualifiers, which is much more favourable for them. Andrew, can you please fill us in on that one? Well, it's finished second. You go into the second qualifying round of the Champions League. Lose, you fall into the third round qualifier of the Europa League. If you lose that, you fall into the Conference League playoffs. If you lose the Conference League playoffs, you have no Europe for the entire season. However, if you finish third, you've got the Europa League playoff. And if you lose the Europa League playoff, you go straight into the Conference League group stages so you're guaranteed group stage football so you know for Zoria I would say squad wise it, it sort of works out slightly better for them um, they've got a chance of 
um, you know, maybe getting a good result in the playoffs. I, I'm not 100% sure if they're seeded or not, or if they will be seeded, but that will obviously have an impact. And then, you know, Conference League for them, I think they could give a good go of that because Van Leeuwen's football is pretty, pretty good. They're apparently going to be signing that Guerrero who has been injured for the past few games. And I think that had a big impact when they were playing against Shakhtar in particular. No Guerrero. They were playing Van Tuch on the left. It was very ineffective. Um, if they had him, it could have been a different story. But they're apparently going to sign him for around 500k this summer, permanent from Maccabi Tel Aviv. So that will be interesting to see all in all. And I'm sure that they'll find some other rogue players that we've never heard of and turn them into... Uh, decent forwards uh, when the time comes. So, in the end of the day, the question is: um, the qu the question is if we follow the sporting principle of football, if we are aiming for the higher result. Because on on one hand, we have the silver medal, which goes into the history books, which goes into a museum, which is going to be put on the wall. And on the other hand, we rationalize and we end up continuing the next season in the favorable European tournament, but without a historical achievement for the club. So it's it, it's a debate, but yeah. somehow it's, it's how it works. Zoria, for those, potentially for that playoff, whenever it, whenever it is, I think at the end of summer, they won't have Brashko or Buletsa because both of them are returning to Dynamo Kiev. For Brashko, there's every chance that he could become a starting player for Dynamo Kiev. And let's see what happens. But they are going to be two massive gaps that Zoria are going to have to fill um, if they if they have to. Because of uh, this potential losses, Brashkois potential loss for Buletsa. I don't know because uh, all Buletsa's life, previous life is uh, back to the Namuki and then go to the uh, rent <laughs> to the Dnipro one in the right season. He will be the player of uh, Zoria again. But uh, talking about the budget of the season for Zoria, for Zoria to play in the group stage of the Europa League or the, even for the play in the group stage of Conference League, the budget of the season. So I think the budget of this club is around 6 million euro. Uh, in my counts, in my, for my information. And so if you go into even to the Conference League group stage, Zoria with uh, their historical coefficient and uh, the stages uh, they will go through. I think they can receive like five and five million. So almost they can receive now. So they uh, got bronze medal for the sporting reason is not so good as a silver medal. Also for the players, the players then in the future could say that we were playing in the Champions League, so this is like the kind of status. But for the club, for the budget of the club, this is a great achievement. Dnipro, if Dnipro will lost uh, all the stages of qualifying, all three stages qualifying, you said, they will got they will get just less than one million. So this is the the money for this for the participation in this qualifying rounds. So I think Zoria won. <laughs> Zoria, who'd have thought it? Third is better than second. Well, just to add in now, just looking through, if they lose their first match, they would then face either Slavia Prague or Olympiakos in the Europa League third qualifying round. 
but with their coefficient, they would be unseeded in the playoff for the Conference League and with the likes of Juventus uh, dropping into the Conference League playoff round already, the, it's looking quite a serious competition <laughs> um, down there. I, I believe Aston Villa are going to be unseeded. They're, uh, the strength of competition in that playoff round is going to be quite clear. So, yeah, three and out could be a very likely result for the Nipro one, the team that claims to represent the city. Now, obviously, last time we recorded, um, you were heading off to Ukraine, hoping for a, a golden match and the uh, the championship going down to the final week. Yeah, it wasn't too bad, to be honest. Um, Shakhtar, in the end, had slightly more quality and steam than Dnipro won. Um, big 3-0 win at Aliviev. The most exciting bit of the whole game, of course, was five seconds before the full-time whistle when there was an absolutely massive brawl on the pitch between both Shakhtar and Dnipro 1 players. It was like um, all the Ukrainians in the Shakhtar team against sort of the Latin American talents that um, Dnipro 1 had and sort of both hotheads from each side going head-to-head. Rakitsky got punched in the face after eye-gouging someone. Um, There was some blood involved. Trubin somehow got sent off in in the end of it all. So I'm pretty sure that that might mean he's at least got a three-game ban or two-game ban because he's basically didn't play um, this final match day. Whenever, if he is, for example, to move somewhere in the summer, he, he probably will have to serve that at his new club if the rumours are true. And, and plenty more of, you know, Kornienko trying to fly kick someone. It was all a bit mental. And then literally about after Monzel got our cards out, sorted that out, it all sort of calmed down. Shakhtar won. They ended up having a very low-key um, trophy celebration, very uncharacteristic. And I maybe it's to do with the war, the, that they didn't want to go too big. But I mean, the stadiums are behind closed doors anyway. Um, they were in UAF House of Football on Tuesday or Wednesday of last week. They literally raised the trophy, got a medal for it. And then loads of the senior players went to on holiday. So I think Taras Stepanenko has returned to his family who are currently in Spain at the moment. Out of the players that didn't travel to Poltava for this fight for the final match day, Trubin wasn't there, Rakitsky wasn't there, um, Sudokov wasn't there. So a lot of the players that are older and also some others that are going to be playing for the national team and um next week they were given some additional time off per se and um, some of the youngsters were given time as well as um, Andriy Piatov who um, is sort of like a full circle career I think a lot of people are expecting that his last game came against Vorskla and how apt that an Andriy Piatov howler gifted his first club a spot in the conference league um, as a result of of the winner, and then Piatov was substituted on like the seventieth minute um, for Alexei Shevchenko to get his one annual 
one appearance a year. Um, Scott Carson vibes. So, yeah, all in all, I think Shakhtar, obviously the biggest winners of the season in terms of the championship, probably most deserved, have the most squad depth, etc. You you probably always expected them to come back against the Pro One whenever they were leading um, in the race. And by far not the best championship, I guess, fight, as in Shakhtar weren't particularly consistent. They weren't at their very best this campaign. They were just a bit better than Dnipro 1, who properly fell off in the second half of the season. Shakhtar got it over and done with, with grinding out these results, and they've got it. Other than, of course, losing to Vorska on the final day. I was in Poltava for that. Brilliant occasion. Love Poltava. Alexei Butovsky uh, Stadium filled up in the sort of area that I was in with some kind of invitees slash uh, fans. Um, they they were sorry, loving it. Sorry, Andrew. Sorry, Andrew. Do you, do you think, didn't you think that it's probably the most underrated stadium in Ukraine because it's huge, but it's not really a football stadium, is it? Um. Well, it's got no roof, so of course it's not really functional for Ukrainian weather. Um, you know, just knowing that it was perfect on the day that I was there because it was beautiful sun and dry, but have any bit of rain and then half the stadium's not turning up unless yeah. Barcelona are in town. You know what I mean? <laughs> and um, who knows when when that might be? Maybe the Conference League next season or something. But but regardless. Vorskla, they got a hard fought out win, 2-1 against Shakhtar. Shakhtar battled hard in the final 10 minutes or so. You thought, bloody hell, Shakhtar could get a draw here and that would be that. But Pavlo Isenko, I don't know what it is in the water over there in Poltava. Really, they're bloody experts at raising keepers. Uh, Pavlo Isenko, he's, he pulled off this wonder fingertip save in like the final minutes or so to keep them in it and bloody hell well they've got a conference league spot and we were talking about for the whole season really on this pod how underwhelming and poor Vorskla have been and in the end Skripnik came up top trumps <laughs> somehow despite all the problems with the ownership and payments and all this kind of thing and concerns for the future They've got the Conference League. In the in his press conference, he said he wants to stay at the club. We'll see if that's true. You know, Vorska are unseeded in the Conference League second qualifying round. And if you see the other teams that are in that second qualifying round that are seeded, it looks bloody difficult. So good luck to them is all I can say. So the season of Shakhtar was, uh, and we saw this, the last of a uh, couple of match days, I think after 20. 25th uh, the match day the Shakhtar was uh, not so good and by the physical condition and they took the they got the result what was was a couple of times they got took the result one nil two nil and they uh, they just like stopped they took uh, they took the ball they uh, played slow football and I heard that last of uh, maybe last month the place of Shakhtar in the training, they run just two, three kilometers every day instead of six, seven, like this. So the 
uh, Shakhtar after they pushed the uh, dynamics for the start of the season. I think they trained for the start of the season for the Champions League, for the European Cups. And then uh, after the winter, they just lost lost their shape. But uh, we're talking about the I think the best players in Ukraine, most te- technically and technically gifted. And uh, this uh, this was the thing why the Shakhtar took the uh, took their points in the last match days, but not the physical condition. I think I think this. So this is for me uh, the one of the things. Why Shakhtar won the championship? Because they played a really good first half and a lot of games. And then in the second, they just uh, don't, uh, didn't give the the opponent team play. What are your thoughts on the arrival of Kelsey up front? Uh, He's had a bit of an impact uh, I, since coming to I, Ukraine. I just, for, for me and uh, for my colleagues uh, uh, at our... At our pro football media, we made uh, we let just create the team of the new talents of the Ukrainian championship. Uh, the Kelsey is the I think for me is the one of the best new talents, best new players, which uh, really impressed because of uh, for the in the first two games it was really uh, reason this is the player of one touch, player of one touch in the penalty area and. Uh, he loves to find the space. The ball loves him. This is the great quality for the striker, and this is the quality from the like from the nature. You 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 usually can't uh, to learn this. This is the this is the from the nature. So he's like the born striker. The player we can tell we can tell that he was the born striker. I really like uh, to watch him in the penalty area. How he find in the space and he can i think for this game his last goal against zoria he scored from the first touch if i don't mind he scored from the first touch also the goal against Lviv at the 90 plus five minute so i really really like him and i i see him as the striker number one in the shakhtar next season because uh, I know that in Shakhtar they don't really happy with the Traore shape, and uh, I think this is the Traore. I think that they will find they will try to find a new club for the Traore because because of his salary and he scored just five goals or four something like this. He does he uh, isn't kind of player who needs Shakhtar now with the style of playing. Just, I think, unfortunately, never quite got over his injury. Never got back to the the player he was before the injury back in twenty twenty one. So, with Kelsey there, one of the highlights of the season. Rotan at Alexandria, Andrew, the failure of the season. Well, you could say that when they replaced Hora with Rotan. And then you saw the first sort of few matches. You were like, hey, they're not doing too bad. They're drawing everything. That that can't be an issue, surely. They're fifth. They're comfortably fifth. They're about, I don't know, 10 points fifth for ages. They were just in that sort of the only team that wasn't challenging for the title or wasn't getting relegated. That's, that's what Alexandria were the whole season. And then <laughs> after consecutive draws and a few losses, 
Alexandria ended up dropping down to sixth and have nothing to show for the season. Absolutely nothing. And they've got a good squad on paper. They've got some great talents. They've got a few cool Shakhtar under-19 loan loanees. They've got Kovalets, senior, uh, junior. They've got plenty of um, wide attack and a decent, decent defence and back, and back line. But for whatever reason, it's sort of all fallen apart. And maybe that is a detriment to Rotan's coaching. Because, I mean, under Hura, I think a lot of people wrote off Hura at the very start of the season. Everyone thought that this guy's just a, a gym teacher. He, he knows nothing. And, you know, he got them up to fourth, I think, at the stage that he left them. And then they dropped down to fifth and now they're sixth. Quick uh, memory from uh, the time when Hura left Alexandria. Um, the problem was Alexandria picked up some fancy players. They had Rybalka, they had Shula from Dynamo 2, Shulansky. They had some other guys, Kalitvinsev. And we remember back in Rebro days, he actually complained about Rybalka being one of the guys who does not listen to the coach anymore who has not who doesn't have any motivation anymore to play in dynamo that was way back in rebrov days and rebrov is a i mean right rebrov is the ukrainian national team coach but now we had the same situation in alexandria and you can imagine the pressure on hura who you called a uh, gym teacher yes but he showed the result but now you have the players and it's like the uh, boot which uh, Alex Ferguson threw into Beckham, remember? So we can imagine that this boot kind of flew back to Yuri Hura, and that's how, why he left. Rotan got along with the guys just fine, but we see that it's unfortunate outcome for the team itself. Let's see. Of, of course, he's staying for the next season, but um, probably this uh, little intervention with national teams did not quite work. To put it mildly, to put it mildly, right? Now, right. We've been excited about the relegation race probably more than the championship battle over the last few months. And it came down to the final day. How did it end up? Uh, yeah, it's exciting this season because we still have playoffs, right? We, we have Varys against Metalurza Parisia, the People's Club against the Municipal Club, City Hall Club, whatever you can call it in English. And uh, Inhulets is playing against LNZ. Some interesting uh, rotations over there because Serhi Kovalets departed from Inhulets uh, after beating Dynamo successfully in his first game, I believe, in charge this year. So and that was it. Came for, and that was it. He came for three months and he did what he knows best. And now he's gone. Um, well, honestly, I, I'm, I like Inhulets because they look really good. They have, they are about to open their uh, stadium. Uh, I mean, when I say they look good, I like their kids. <laughs> they, That's the got brand, nothing, nothing to do with on their on the pitch. I'll, I'll tell you that. Well, um, I probably because of the coach, right? <laughs> but uh, they, um, I would like them to be in the UPL. I mean, brand wise, and you know, as a club, I think they have something to show. I mean, all of the players they are just little middle class. Ukrainians, they have a few foreigners, but you know, with all these talks about the foreign players coming back to play in Ukraine for next season, I think Inholets is kind of like off trend here. So I'm always in favor for that. No matter what how the president runs the club, I mean, I think this is the kind of club we would like to have in UPL rather than I don't know, Minai. But Minai and Inholets for me are quite 
similar because Minai has issues with the owner. And Vorskla itself is like the, the pinnacle of ownership in Ukrainian football. I mean, the guy is most wanted worldwide and the team is about to play in Conference League. I mean, there's plenty to say about that. But coming back to the relegation, Lviv and Metalist are gone for good. And by Metalist, I mean the FC Metal, the fan club of the uh, Dnipro representative this season. And uh, apparently the former club of Yevhen Krasnikov and Alexander Kusher. We remember how Metalist um, re restructured in the end, in the beginning of this season with all the guys just departing to the, the team of the Dnipro city, supposedly. And yeah, they won't be missed. They don't have any money. They don't have any owner. Uh, and if they have one, the guy is just bad news. And we have Metalist 1925 and they survived the last minutes. And Gabi, of all people, scored the decisive goal against Dinamo. I mean, the only thing I knew about Metalist during these three months after winter break is, the, is Gabi's interview. And I've been telling you all about it. And at some point, I even made a mistake by calling Gabi a Metalist player, but not 1925 player. And he proved himself as a true captain when he said, we are going to fight for, for survival in UPL. And oh boy, did they survive. So again, the Kharkiv is being represented in the darkest times, he's, uh, this city is being represented in UPL. And that leads me to a conclusion where I wanted to touch on which regions are actually represented in the next season of UPL. Because obviously we have Zhitomer coming back in UPL for the first time in history, right? Uh, we have pretty much all regions except Kherson. I don't know, who, who do you prefer, Cherkasov or Parisia? That's another question, <laughs> but <laughs> um, so far we are excited about the UPL uh, playoffs. Something to see there. There have been rumours about the future of FC Lviv, who will not be sadly missed, and Metalist. Have you got any updates? What, what are going on with those clubs? Are they likely to appear in the Persia or are they expected to disappear for good? I, I don't know. If you know my theory, I... Yeah, told it a lot of times during the season and I saw your prediction for this championship. My prediction was as always there will be no relegated teams which uh, will exist later. So after after relegation, I mean, because this is the old uh, Ukrainian uh, tradition, this is the Ukrainian style. So if we have team that relegated team is uh, started to exist. So th this, the thing will be with Lviv, I think 100% because uh, so uh, I was uh, I was monitoring this situation a few years ago, and I was told that about uh, the managers of Lviv, they uh, call into the another clubs and asking them to uh, put a question on the UPL. Uh, I mean, when will be UPL collecting uh, to put the question of uh, make the league with the twenty teams and make two different divisions, so Division A and Division B. <laughs> this is not like in the Persia Liga, but this is not the Premier League in, in that case. And uh, the clubs, they will reject this proposal, and uh, the man who, who had this idea, so one of the managers of FC Lviv, he is living in United States, back to Ukraine and then after this after back to the United States again because he realized that <laughs> will not uh, they will not in the Premier League they will not do the 20 teams so my next theory is the 18 teams in the next season and I 
<laughs> I think this uh, playoff relegation game will not the it will it will be just sporting interest because I think they will let all the teams play in the next season in the Premier League. So I think the will be 18 teams and I uh, so you know after the sporting events will finish and the final whistle will blow it started to be the cabinet wars cabinet talks and like this and uh, for me for me the the second so we have uh, virus against uh, virus against metallurg Zaporizhia and uh, Ingolets against LNZ and my uh, my prediction the four teams will play in the next season but i i'm not sure about the metallurgs period and i will try to explain why because the because of license so let let's you maybe you you will understand or maybe you will uh, say uh, that i'm wrong so karpaty karpaty signed the markevich as the head coach will markevich go to the persia liga and play all the year in the Persian Liga against teams like, you know, Skruk, Dinas, with all the uh, respect for these teams. So I think the Karpaty have a chance to play in the Premier League next season. And maybe <laughs> maybe some team, some of the teams from the Persian Liga will not take the license. Wow. It's real Absolutely. or not? This is the, it's just a theory, but this is the theory is about the, some news logic and the uh, historical style of ukrainian football I, d- I don't know why i i agree with you it doesn't make much sense why markevich returned to karpaty so, so, under- so, so you understand Andrew, what i'm talking about yeah <laughs> but it, it just seems unfeasible to have 18 teams because this season was quite difficult anyway i feel and then to add two more and then have how many more matches is that a season like each, it's yeah, one, it's an extra uh, two two hundred and forty was in this right. So I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I agree with you. I think Metalurg uh, Zaporizhia probably won't be coming up, even if they beat Veres. And Veres, I think, actually have got a better option, hundred percent for playing Metalurg because I think they could beat them anyway. Whereas LNZ against Inhulets, I think LNZ is actually the better team than Inhulets, especially with Inhulets getting rid of uh, Kovalets and not having a manager, having Lupashko, who's doesn't have any experience really um, as a as a first team coach, etc. So I think the playoffs are going to be interesting, and like you say, we probably won't be finding out how many teams are in the UPL until the day before. Uh, 23-24 um, season. I, I just wanted to add, you talk, Andrew, about, uh, you told about the Lupashko. I wanted just to add about Inhulets after uh, I'm uh, I'm watching I, I, I'm watching the games of Inhulets. I uh, was watching uh, all the games of Inhulets in the end of the season and I know uh, Lupashko a long time and I know his coaching style and in that last games, a couple of last games of Inglets, it was strokes of the Lupashko's style, not Kovalet's style. And I think it was just some preparations for the coach changing. Because rumors about uh, Kovalet's quit uh, was like circled like the 10 days, last 10 days. So so this is not uh, a big, this is not a big uh, sensation, not a big uh, I mean, 
it was uh, predictable for me that they will uh, change the coach, but they changed the coach before the playoff games. And I know after the 15th, after the playoff games, they will collect for the club. So the president will collect them and they will uh, decide what to do, what to do in the next steps. So, Vov, you think that there is a chance that Lviv and FC Metalist will still be in the UPL no, 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 next season? No, week? no, I, I mean, maybe I didn't finish, but I... So, Lviv, 100% no. Gone. Also, okay. all, all, also, Metalist, I think uh, they will play the next season in the Persia Liga with the 19... Because uh, there's the three, four really, really good young players there. So for the Persia Liga, not for the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So we can we can say the names because this Dikhtar is the captain of uh, under 16. He was attacking player. Now he's playing. He's the position like McCollum, the left defender or left center defender with a great pass. The right defender, Vlaha, a couple of central midfielders. I think they can play with a under 19 in Persia Liga and uh, it was like the football so what is the Persia Liga the, the strong football of uh, strong men and uh, in this I remember like 20 years ago maybe 15 years ago was Dynamo 2 Shakhtar 2 teams the young boys young players will play in this uh, bone crasher championship of Persia Liga <laughs> so and they grew up and they grew up uh, the Milevsky Aliyev and uh, so just before we move on from this particular area, just before I guess the various rumors, um, Bob, what do you know about Markevich Junior taking over? Do you think it's possible if they uh, get relegated or if it's if they stay in the UPL? How does it work? Uh, I think it's possible, and uh, it's one of the main candidates for the president. But there's a lot of uh, like a lot of uh, people inside the club. They uh, they have a different opinions, and they uh, uh, they thought about the coach from abroad even uh, like some time ago, and now they. Uh, I think it was information in the media that Lavrinenko, the ex-Ingolas coach, is was one of the coach which whereas talked with him or interested of him so Lavrinenko and Markevich and this is the real but uh, as you've seen today during the match not of all people in Rivne not of all people in the club like this idea and I think uh, they will they will search they will search uh, they will continue to search so I'm talking about Wirt. I heard the rumors that he probably can be the new coach of LMZ. So he's going out from Wales. This the hundred person. But the new coach, the question of new coach of Wales is still open. The merry-go-round. Uh, the, them ending up in the playoffs this season seems to have sort of been the culmination of all the backward steps they've took. Question for you guys here. You know, one of the things I've been wondering about with Veres, the desire to get the stadium up and running 
over the last 18 months and the number of players that have gone out of the club and the low quality of players that have come in, have they just got it wrong there with the balance between having a UPL side and having a UPL stadium? Andrew? Yeah, I don't think the quality is there, to be honest. They, you probably look at them and say they're like a top half Persia side. And the same with Inholetz probably too. There's not much going on there, to be honest. I mean, it, the fact if, if if they stay and beat Metalurg, I wouldn't be too surprised. And we'll, we'll see what happens next season. Maybe they might bring in some new players and there might be some other thinking, especially if there's a new manager. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. I just think, for me, the alarm bells started in the, the winter of 2021-2022, where I think it was three or four players left Vares at the end of their contracts and wound up signing contracts with Peramoa in uh, <laughs> in the Druha. And the fact that they couldn't compete financially two leagues lower certainly had me raising questions about what was going on there. Anyway, shall we move on? I think so. Uh, the UPL well, the UPL finished this weekend, but the EPL finished slightly earlier. And it feels weird to say it seems quite a successful end, end of the year for our Ukrainian boys. Um, all of them stayed up, which we didn't expect in January. Zabarny starting to come into his own for Bournemouth, finally getting some starts, consistent ones, towards the end of the campaign. Everyone giving him quite a lot of praise, both on uh, Twitter, both from the club as well. So, fingers crossed he'll be the starting centre-back from next season for them and continue it at that pace. Um, McCollincourt was injured towards the end of the campaign, so he actually missed the last few matches for Everton where they ended up staying up. But that's a good thing anyway. However, there is rumours that I've been seeing that they're after a new left-back, whether it's a backup or whether it's a replacement for McCollincourt is another question. We'll see how that progresses over the summer. And, I mean, the remainder of it is, well, I guess we've got Mudrik. Um, he's got a new manager <laughs> in Pochettino. Uh, let's see if he can turn him into... Uh, Son, put, let, let's see if he's that arm around the shoulder kind of manager to sort him out and maybe hit, hit, allow him to hit the ground running. And obviously, I guess the biggest disappointment of the season was probably Zinchenko not winning the the title. And ironically, City are on for a treble the year after he leaves. Similar, it's sort of like a a mirroring of when Luzhny left Arsenal and then they went on the invincible <laughs> they went on the invincible <laughs> season so it's, it's it's slightly bad luck if you want to win some historic titles just get rid of your Ukrainian the year before and uh, it will all work out <laughs> this is done this done, doesn't work out with you have to shock in the middle 90s <laughs> yeah unless you're Coventry sorry about that but fingers crossed a Ukrainian somehow ends up at Luton. How good would that be? We'd oh, love yes. to see it. Oh, yes. Um, can I just ask, guys, obviously 
there's been a lot of team of seasons, worst team of seasons. Mudrick has appeared in a number of worst team of the seasons. Uh, Vov, I can ask you, sort of over in Ukraine, amongst Ukrainian journalists, what's been the opinion about his first six months and how he's transitioning into English football? And, you know, does he seem a little lost since coming across? Uh, so I can tell, I can say, like, my uh, own opinion, I can say just for I'm thinking. And uh, so what we saw in Shakhtar in the first part of the season, we saw the old game of the Shakhtar is uh, going to that way to find the space and give the pass for Mudrik. And he will run and make some, uh, did some technical skills and score the goals. It was the game of Shakhtar is about to find Mudrik and give ball to him. Shakhtar changed after Mudrik went away to the Chelsea, but Chelsea doesn't play like Shakhtar. In Chelsea, you have to be uh, the player like other other ten to recover the balls, to run from own uh, penalty area to other penalty area. So this is the first half of year for Mudrik is changing his type of play, his style of play, I think, for me. So I, I'm considering this six months is the changing of playing, is uh, trying to uh, learn something new. And of course, the situation when you, when every time changing the coaches, when one coach signed you and then, then the, the next coach came, is is not a good for the players who just come to the team. So we can see it's not only for Mudrik. We can see on the example of another players of Chelsea signed it. Mudrik is a player who makes a lot when he who who can make a lot when he have a space. And if the new coach will change the game, uh, and his option will be to make to create with the team passes, with the team build-up to create space for Mudrik, Mudrik will be the first star of the team. It's a big opportunity, this pre-season for Mudrik, uh, wherever Chelsea are going to be going to the America or Asia or whatever, just to, you know, put a good shift in and hopefully hit the ground running next season. Because, yeah, we, like we said, this is very much the learning curve of the six months and roll on the rest of it. Adam, um, what do you know about Ignatenko? Well, sadly, <laughs> sadly, he had a, I guess, a less than optimal winter season. We don't know. No, everything will... Well, but of course, the League 2 came to an end uh, over the weekend and Bordeaux and uh, Mets were neck and neck. And uh, Bordeaux welcomed relegation for and Rodez, uh to the stadium down on the southwest of France there. And Rodez took a shock early lead. And I don't know, Andrew, did you see the push from the spectator? Some of the greatest bit of play acting I've ever seen. And the referee has cancelled the match, suspended, cancelled the match because the player apparently was concussed. It was one of those that the rugby, rugby fans will be rolling their eyes and talking about for years to come. Uh, for how awful the play acting was. Now, the game was suspended. There's been no decision. 
the, the French FA will meet on Monday to decide. However, however, um, no matter what they do, there will be clubs put out if uh, the game isn't replayed. Um, Rodez, of course, were in the relegation zone. They were winning 1-0, so they've jumped above Anansi, who will be relegated if the result remains. Um, Mets have jumped above Bordeaux and are presently promoted to Ligue 1, um, unless Bordeaux have the chance to score the three or four goals I think they need to turn the goal difference around. So if the game's allowed to be replayed, there's going to be appeals. If the game isn't allowed to be replayed, there's going to be appeals. And I think this story could drag on possibly even longer than it takes the UPL to decide on which 18 or 20 or 22 teams are going to appear in the 23-24 season. So it'll be it's going to be interesting race this year to see who sorts out their lineup. But yeah, as with last year, I recall as well, Andrew Ignatenko isn't going to know what league he's playing in until deep in the summer. Because I think last year uh, they were going to be demoted down to the division, and it was only when they got financial guarantees in at the last minute they were allowed to take part in the second tier. So yeah. Long summer ahead in France. Long summer ahead in France. More importantly, though, we've got national team action coming up, haven't we? And we may even have a manager. Yes, Serhii Dubrov is the new Ukraine manager. He's been announced and uh, he's going to be taking charge of Germany, of the Germany game and obviously the Macedonia and Malta matches. So... Well, it's been a long time coming. We've waited forever. And um, here it is. Uh, is anyone underwhelmed? Is anyone excited? Anyone more excited than the Rotan era? What an era that was. Um, fingers crossed. We don't have to live through that again. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see how it goes because um, these matches are pretty straightforward. The Germany one will obviously be experimental. Um, he's named quite an interesting squad, as we've been talking about. Ignatenko's in there from his Ferenc Varos days. He's got some of his favourites in there. Zubkov, too. Um, Zabarny is back after missing, obviously, the March window. However, Zinchenko is completely out because he's injured and he won't be featuring. So that is also quite a big negative because he's one of the best players. But... Got Sudokov in there who impressed against England. Hopefully, he can have another starring role before he's expected possibly to go and feature for the under 21s, too. Um, Nazari Rusin has been given an extra, has been given a late call up after Yarimchuk pulled out, which I guess is a positive because Yarimchuk's been completely off the ball for like the past 18 months, really. Um, and Vladislav Vanat who missed the last three games of the season due to um, sexist comments against Katarina Monzol, he has got a chance, um, his first ever sort of Ukraine senior call-up. And he's been in great form this second half of the campaign. So we need goal-scoring forwards. And to be honest, all three that he's called up, if he's going to be playing one up top, 
not bad to call up on any of them, really. They can finish if need be. Um, let's just see how effective they can be in a in a system that Rebrov is going to go for. For whatever reason, I still see it being almost identical to everyone that's been before him. One holding midfielder, two centre mids, oh, two wingers, a forward and four at the back. And I mean, especially against the likes of Macedonia, North Macedonia and Malta, which Ukraine are expected and have to win. Um, you'd expect them to get, get a decent result. On the whole, uh, I think there's there's not much qualms. And some people were a bit disappointed that Bondarenko didn't make it, but I feel that he's probably going to be trying to go for the full preparation with the under-21 Euros because it's worth noting that Malta, the Malta game, is on the 19th and the first game of the under-21 Euros is on the 21st. So maybe some of those players might be released before the Malta game, even though it's competitive, who knows? Maybe some of them are going to go straight to Romania the day after or the the night of and get straight into the starting lineup for the match against Croatia to open that tournament. It's going to be very full on. And some of these players are going to need, uh, you know, a good few weeks of rest after it's all over. And credit where it's due, great press conference from Rebrov. First one um, seems very confident. Looking forward to his t- tenure. I guess a long time coming, as we've already mentioned. Um, he seems relatively uh, relaxed, looking forward to everything that's going to be happening. Mentioned that his backroom staff will consist of himself, Vicente Gomez, who obviously we know from Olympic Donetsk and elsewhere, his assistant at Alain and Dinamo, Alberto Bosk, he helped him out back in the Ferenc Farosh days. Unai Mergalo, he's going to be in charge of sort of youth management and player scouting sort of across the leagues, which I don't know if he'd played any involvement in it already, but uh, what's his name? Kucherkin getting a call up straight into the team after a great season, um, often overlooked by the likes of Petrikov and even Rotan for the likes of Konoplyanka last window. Um, so it's good to see that Kuchernin is finally getting some recognition and hopefully he can maybe get some opportunity to show what he can do, especially against North Macedonia and Malta, which are, you know, slightly weaker than the, the bigger teams in the group. And finally, just to wrap up, the main thing, I think that is important is that Yevhen Gares, who is the assistant to Ruslan Rotan for the under-21s, he mentioned that the four players that will be coming from the under-21s following the senior team is Mihailo Mudrik, so he's going to be going. Sudakov, of course. Rubin will be dropping down. And so from that. However, no mention of Zabarni. So it seems, even though... Rebrov was asked about Zabani, would he go? It's I think it's probably just too busy of a season for Zabani these days. He never actually ever played for the under-21s in the first place. He sort of leapfrogged that straight away. So maybe it's not the biggest priority for him and his career. Especially after the injuries he's had, he probably needs a bit of a rest um, and getting ready for the new season with Bournemouth. 
and they probably won't as well. <laughs> They'll be back, back into pre-season and it, the wonderful cycle of football will kick back into gear once again. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks, uh, not only for the national team, but the under-21. I know, Andrew, are you going to be covering those games? I'll be there for everything and we'll have a pod Given, given the fact that uh, our one of our best interviews for this spot was with Sergio Rebro, we might be expecting some exclusive. <laughs> Let's hope yeah, so. Let's hope looking so. forward to that. Over. Happy with Rebrov? Looking forward to the nas- national team? As a fan, yes. As a journalist, we will see. Very diplomatic. No, Very no, diplomatic. No, uh, no this, I think this is the... One of the best, definitely one of maybe best Ukrainian coach for today. And the best Ukrainian coach should be the coach of the national team. What can I say? Yeah, I guess the only issue is is that he has been announced so late, literally just a few days before the first match. And the fact that it's all been up in the air again, is that going to have an impact on these three games in the window? It shouldn't. He has been preparing with his coaching staff. Uh, Alain had their last game at least a week or a week and a half before he's linking up with the national team. He he chose this squad as well. So everything seems to be in his hands and no Konopyanka. So I think that says everything about who was selecting the team back in March. <laughs> what, is there Yermolenko? No, no, Kondoplanka, no, no. Of course, no, of course. But Yermolenko, I guess it might be a doubt because he missed the last game for Alain through injury. So it's not even certain that he might be fit enough for it. But there's plenty of players to play in his place. Rusin, I think, can play on the right. Sankov, of course, is playing fantastically at Girona. Sadly, they missed out on Europe in the final match day. They played against Osasuna, lost to Osasuna. And also sooner pip them to that but, conference league spot. But remember the days when Tihanko came to the Girona, Girona and the 12th place and nobody thought about the European Cups. There you go. And look at what he's done to them. Um, who'd have thought it? I think no, not many of us did. And to be honest, I think that's on a perfect note to end the show. Um, it's been a bumper one. Thank you, everyone who's been with us from the start of the season to now. Um, we made our predictions way back in August. I got all of mine wrong. I don't know if Ray or Adam look back on theirs, but they probably got theirs wrong as well for the most part. Yeah. I had Shakhtar to win. Well, there you go. Right there's, from the off. there's one more than me. Um, but anyway, I think that that is all for today. Um, enjoy the international break, guys. Fingers crossed for three wins out of three, especially against the Germans. Ukraine have never beaten Germany. I know it's a friendly, but, you know, start as you mean to go on, said he had a brov, or even a draw. We'll take that. Um, but, yeah. Vava, thank you for joining us again. Enjoy you. enjoy the summer. Time. Ray, Adam, cheers. It's been a good one. Over and out, everyone. Thanks to Zasul for making this season possible. Without them, there wouldn't be any football, there wouldn't be any Ukraine, you know, in the grand scheme of things. So thanks for them. Um, Thanks to everyone who actually made this season sort of finish. And on to 23-24.
sooner rather than later because, as we know, football never stops. Bye. Oh, you, oh,